Hey guys, we are Bad Moms in Business. I'm Bridget Robertson. I'm Amanda Sharp. And I'm Danielle Monahan. Today, we are going to talk about uh, the two things, two or three things that happened in our lives that made us the women that we are today. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to dive into that. But first, Amanda, tell us about your health crisis. You know, crisis is not the word, but debilitating could be used. <laughs> this is true. I'm smiling, but it's actually very serious. Oh my gosh, you guys, I, I can joke about it and I can have fun with it and smile about it, but... I suffer from vertigo and I'm sure some ladies or men listening also suffer from it. And Marcus makes fun of me because 90% of my life I live dizzy. Like I'm always off balance, right? Yeah. So I always have to be careful how I bend over, how I pick something up. That's why I literally use my toes often. It's silly, but then I don't have to bend over. I'm bringing it up to me. I can't turn quickly. I, this, I didn't know this about you. I didn't realize that's what it was. You have an equilibrium problem. You should seriously go see an ENT. But it, it doesn't work. It, I'm, I'm like, it just truly does not work. So a lot of things have been done, but so 90% of my life, I'm, I'm a little off and I call it my disease. Right. But occasionally about once a year or every year and a half, I get the full blown vertigo where I stand up and I hit the floor Mm -hmm. and I spin for 12 to 24 hours and why I'm doing it. I'm puking my guts out. How nauseating. And I have to crawl to the bathroom because I can't walk to the bathroom because I literally will fall down and I'm hoping that I can make it to the bathroom in time. And the thing is, even if I were to throw up in like a bag, I still then have to take the bag out. So I'm going, okay, try to make it to the bathroom because you have to make it somewhere anyway, right? It just is awful. And then, so after the first 24 hours, I at least stopped throwing up. But I was solid dizzy until Sunday. So that hit me early Friday morning, like at 1230 in the morning. And I was very dizzy up until Sunday. Yeah. But at least I stopped throwing up. And today, so it's been Friday to now Tuesday because we record on Tuesdays. And I'm, I'm about 90%. That's good. 90% normal. <laughs> that's so wow. crazy. Yeah. So that's – it's – it's crippling. And I couldn't work because I couldn't drive. You know, I don't trust, I can't look correctly without throwing up basically. So I can't really get into the car. I'm sorry. I'm using the word throw up instead of vomit, but it's just my style. <laughs> wow. So I'm curious, cause I know we talked about it when you were kind of in the throes of it, mm-hmm. if there were things that worked for you and you were saying really, no, it just has to run its course. So yeah. I'm wondering if there's listeners that maybe mm-hmm. have some remedies that they've tried successfully that they could share because yeah. you're not alone. And I'm not. And oftentimes the, the people who are suffering from it suffer from it, how I almost live my life daily, if that makes sense. So those tricks don't like really work on my mild symptoms. Mm -hmm. They do not work 
on my full-blown systems, but I am open to anything because it's miserable. And I go, what does it hurt? And if I'm going to throw up regardless of doing it or not, I might as well try because there are certain like positions you can go into, which is yes. the last thing you want to do when you're literally spinning, like you're in a roller coaster and you just can't get off. Wow. If it doesn't make you want to like throw up just hearing about it. Oh, it's terrible. It should. <laughs> so I have, I have a quick story about this. So I haven't, knock on wood, I haven't had dealt with anything like this in years. And mine, it turns out was stress induced. I had been to see every doctor known to mankind to tell me that. Um, so I was sitting at my desk one day and it was in my bedroom. I was still living at home with my mom at the time. I was like 18, 19, something like that. And it was like one o'clock in the morning or something I was studying. And then all of a sudden I closed my book. And the whole room just went, boop. it was horrifying. I fell to the floor of sitting. <laughs> I still somehow managed to hit the floor. But that's seriously how instant it is and how you just like absolute, like your body almost can't control like its movements anymore. You literally 100%. Like flop. It's the yep. scariest thing. And so I had to like army crawl down the hallway to my mom's room. Like what is happening? I'd never experienced anything like this before, but through my multiple stages of like doctors and stuff, I went to see an upper cervical practitioner. It's basically a chiropractor, but he had a fancier title for it. He was, he was not just a chiropractor. He was an upper cervical practitioner. He put me in the most bizarre positions. Like I was leaning backwards in a chair, but I was like kind of sideways. And like, yeah. it was, he had this huge machine, come in front of me, had like this big pointer thing and it was angled towards my ear and I was horrified of what was going to happen. And it wiggled my earlobe for like 10 minutes. That's what his treatment was for. And I walked out of there dizzy. (laughs) It's like, this is stupid. That's the problem. Oftentimes the remedy actually can cause me to be even more dizzy because a man the normal is dizzy enough. Like I don't want to like level it up into Mm. something else. Yeah. Why would it not cause you to be dizzy? shaking your brain. Just wiggled my earlobe. I just wiggled my earlobe just like this. Like it was the dumbest thing ever. It was ridiculously <laughs> expensive to do that. <laughs> it's so stupid. I will say mine is probably 50% stress induced, 50% weather induced. Mm. Interesting. Because the weather's changing here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going from 30 degree days to 70 degree days all in the same 24 hour period. No joke. Literally. So there there was pressure that I could feel as like, oh, if I could just get rid of the pressure. So I was taking some allergy medicines and mm. anti-nausea, but it's still, it's just not fun. So if anyone has tried and true remedies for the full blown version of vertigo, let me know. I can help yeah. you with stress things because I am an avid stressor. Um, but that's it. That's all I can do. I appreciate that. <clears throat> I hope something works for you. But with Bridget having had COVID and me having dizzy brain, we've had to rely on Danielle to <laughs> remind us what we're supposed to be doing. It's okay. My husband my husband calls me his external brain. He doesn't need <laughs> uh, to save things in his brain because he has my brain. So yeah. just bring it on. Yeah. I feel like we're yeah. going to cause Danielle stress. Don't get vertigo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. The the COVID fog is so real. And I'll I'll be having a conversation with someone. And the word I'm looking for is just like, it's there, but I can't grasp it. 
It's the strangest Ugh. thing. And for me, I think when my brain literally is trying not to work because it's trying to heal itself. Like it's re I'm sure it's just re- trying to reconnect the wires properly. So I stopped spinning. So I'm sure my brain was in overdrive. So I feel like I've worked out my brain too hard since yeah. Friday. And that's why I can't remember anything. That's why. Yeah. So thank you, Danielle. So anything. Amanda, yeah. I'm going to kick this to you. Okay. To give our disclaimer about yes. today. I feel very strongly about this disclaimer. This is why I'm, this is why I'm kicking it to you. <laughs> um, so we are talking about monumental, pivotal moments in our lives that really set us on the path to who we are today. And so we all came up with our list. And at the end of the day, each one of us had mom and wife on there. Yeah. Because that's. of everything I am, but we thought that that would maybe be boring for you guys to listen to because I think you all agree husbands and children are, of course, one of the best things that have happened. So we want to give you a little bit of taste outside of what you already know we are, which you know we're moms and you know we're wives. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into other things that would have turned our lives around to a different maybe... No, definitely a better path than maybe what yes. we're on. Absolutely. How is that? Did I did I do good enough? Yeah. You did a perfect job. Okay. Yes, that was great. So are we going to start with Bridget, do our whole I bad so. routine here? I, I can't go off script, so I have to go in the order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in the condition to like. <laughs> to have anything. Yeah. Most minimal. Being trained bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. Okay. So I guess I will start. Um, I like how she looks down at her notes. She's like, I have so many. Where should I start? No, I'm trying <laughs> to figure out which one to, to say first. I think, and I'm, you know, remembering that my mother listens to, to the podcast. Not that this is, this isn't Hello. It's Hello. Not, but um, I grew up with a mom who worked very, 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 very hard mm-hmm. and a dad who didn't, I'll just say it. <laughs> and so I grew up in a house where money was very tight mm. and I grew up in a house where I never wanted for anything. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like there, there was never a need, a, a, a real need that wasn't met. I think that was so many, so much of the eighties. Don't you like, Oh Yeah. We didn't Probably. want for anything. There just wasn't thing. There just extra wasn't thing. anything extra. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm. right. Like all of my friends had like American Eagle jeans or Amber Crombie hoodies. And I was literally shopping in a thrift store for back to school clothes. I had clothes on my back. I had food. Absolutely. But it wasn't what my friends had. Right. So that set me off onto a path as an adult, a young adult, um, cause I'm almost middle-aged now. So <laughs> look oh, gosh. um, cool. <laughs> but that set me off onto a path of if I want it, I'm going to get it. And I don't care what that means. Mm. Um, because I, there was so much that I wanted growing up. Right. And so if I wanted that designer purse, I would buy it. Even if that meant I had to put it on a credit card. And if I wanted mm. that, whatever it was, 
I would get it because I am entitled to that. I deserve that. I grew up going without the things that I want. Um, which landed me in about $25,000 worth of credit card debt. You're not the only yes. one, Bridget. You're not, you know, you're not the only one. No, no. Um, I'm out of that credit card debt now. Thank the Lord. Um, Hold on. We can't just I know. I, surpass I that. That's, that is huge. That and is I don't huge. care if you did it last week, Absolutely. 10 years ago, doesn't matter. That's incredible because so many people struggle to do that exact thing. And so it was, we celebrate you for that. That's it incredible. It was hard work. It was I hard believe work. it. Yeah. Um, but Chris, my husband, there, Chris, I mentioned you. We did it. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hello, Chris. <laughs> um, Chris is very frugal and he mm-hmm. is very good with money. Um, and I have learned to be good with money, uh, but it took me a very long time to get there. And so I just watching my parents struggle with money and then becoming somebody who struggled with money at a certain point, once I had kids, I was like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to have $900 a month worth of credit card bills that I'm paying. Mm -hmm. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it really made me flip and decide that if I wanted something badly enough, I could save for it. I didn't have it. Like I'm such an instant gratification person. It's why I'm overweight. It's why I was in credit card debt. It's just who I am as a person. I'm very impulsive. Um, but yeah, so, so credit card debt and coming out of it, climbing out of it has definitely set me on the path of who I am now at 35 and hopefully will carry me the rest of my life. I'm fascinated by that. And I would assume that a lot of our viewers would be interested in your path Mm. that when you made that decision, like no more to (laughs) that final bill being paid, I would love to kind of get that story of from that to that. And I'm sure our viewers. It seems like it was just like a mindset shift. Like you just, would you just wake up one day and was like, done, I'm over it. Well, it, it took years. I mean, for years I was paying of these course. minimum payments, right? Going yep. 25 bucks here. But you can do. Here. Yeah, because when you have that much debt. Yes, yes. On top mm-hmm. of your mortgage, oh on my. top of your car payment, yes. on top of your child's private school tuition. I mean, mm-hmm. we were, talk about paycheck to paycheck. Sometimes we were paycheck to nobody breathe on, a, on a, our debit card because our bank is going to go negative. I mean, there were tons of times. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you and again, everyone else. So mm-hmm. I oh, will have to add that to our list of topics to kind of yes. do a little yeah, bit. Doing that now. Thank you, Danielle, because she's our brain right now. <laughs> but I think because you did it. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, you hear these people say, do it like this, do it like this. But unless someone's been at that point and then got out by doing A, B, and C, and, yeah. and you know, and not that it's just going to take nine months. No, it's going to be a year. It's worth a sacrifice. By the time I figured, because I tried a bunch of different techniques, mm-hmm. but by the time I got to the point where I had finally figured out what was going to work for us, and we can talk about what that is at a, a different time, um, it was three years. Mm. Wow. And but it was, I mean, several years leading up to that. 
how good you had to feel on that final payment. Oh my word. Oh, no. I can't wait to hear more about this. Oh, yeah. That, okay. That's a great topic. I'm excited. I love it. Me too. That's a great topic. Oh my goodness. Is that the conclusion of your first one? That's the conclusion. Okay. I, I'm okay. working to be better with money. I still buy things I don't need, but I'm not going into debt for them. Absolutely. Um, and so that's the key right there. A hundred percent. So now my, my next step is stop buying crap you don't need, but gosh. <gasps> and then the step after that minimalism. I know Danielle. Do it. That's, that's your, that's a topic for you to talk. Mm. about. Oh, I would, I would talk about that all day and I'm not even, I don't even consider myself a minimalist, but I'm working on it. I you will are. be one day. Yeah. Well, everything is a work in progress. Yes. I, you know, otherwise I think it becomes an obsession, you know, if you yeah. do it too quick and it's, Great like, point. it's like, if you diet too quickly, you know, it's not going to be sustainable. You have to make exactly small changes. So at the end of the day, the habit has been broken, mm-hmm. slow growth, slow growth. So mine is totally different than Bridget's, but that seems to be always what our stuff is. That's why yep. I love the different personalities, but mine go back to Amanda, the year she was supposed to start kindergarten. Oh boy. Wow. Way back when. And it's so silly, but this was so instrumental to me becoming me. Interesting. That I was supposed to start kindergarten because I was five, had a July birthday, supposed to start, you know, kindergarten that fall. Mm -hmm. It was back in the day that you actually had to get like interviewed to make sure you were ready to start kindergarten. Oh, I'm old. I'm old. I'm 39. I'm going to be 40 in July. No, you so, know, I feel like that might still be a thing. Is like, it? I, I guess I don't know anything about it. They do it that. differently, but you know, you actually had to meet with the teacher and make sure that you were really ready. Like it wasn't okay. like it is now. It was just a little different. Okay. I, you and, know what? I think you're right. They had to do that with me too. You're right. I totally wasn't thinking about that. So I went, now mind you, the gentleman that was interviewing me was my sister's teacher because <laughs> she mm-hmm. would have been one year ahead of me. He had talked to me. He had known me. I know this man. And so now he's interviewing me and I absolutely <laughs> bottle up. Not going to say a word. Oh, what's you. your name? It's not like I was smart enough not to speak at all. So when he says, what's your name? I go, I don't know. Like, come on, Amanda. When you know how to say, I don't know, you know, your stupid name. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Who doesn't know Amanda? Well, at the time it was Amanda Patrick, but who doesn't know Amanda Sharp now, right? So, I mean, I had no issue saying my name and I just would not answer any of the questions because I did not want to go to school and not want to leave my mom. I just mm-hmm. loved being with my mom so much. So, my heart hurts. I, right. So, the teacher, he was so sweet. He said, You know what? She's a July birthday. Another year at home isn't going to kill anyone. Your mom's like, it's going to kill me. Get her out. Nope. nope. <laughs> so guess who negotiated another no. year at home? Amanda. <laughs> so I got to stay home a whole nother year and be with my mom. And mind you, like I worked hard with my mom. I mean, she cleaned houses. I've told you like how I would go to houses and clean with her because mm-hmm. I would rather clean toilets than go to school. That's how serious I was. So the thought, so that that moment in time was so important to me that I was given that extra year with my mom, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I truly do. Wow. And all of those precious moments that extra extra year gave me were so instrumental because my mom. I truly say everything I am today is because of my mom. 
So every little extra second I've had Same. with her is so important. So the following year, I <laughs> there's no interview process at this point. Like I'm a right. slam dunk into kindergarten because <laughs> if I can clean toilets and houses, I can certainly <laughs> enter kindergarten. <laughs> if I can oh use gosh. toxic chemicals, I'm good to learn my ABCs. Hmm. And so I ran away from the school bus <laughs> trying to oh, like man. negotiate another year, you know? And my mom was like, Amanda, like, I can't keep you home another year. Like, it begins to get illegal. Like, you have to go to school. So that is when I started school. So that was my – one of my first, I think, biggest things that set me on the path to who I am today was because of that extra year. There are so many similarities between you and Owen. (laughs) (laughs) I get it all. It's all coming full circle. (laughs) That, that is was, so crazy. Oh, yeah. So who would have thought Amanda, five-year-old, was a good negotiator? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your life just came full circle. It did. It did. What you got, Danielle? Okay. So my first one, um, it, this was, it, they're hard to pick, these, mm-hmm. these kind of pivotal moments in your life. And you don't really think about what is happening at the time is actually setting you on a different path. So mm-hmm. in 2009... I did a study abroad trip. It changed my life for multiple reasons, including I met my husband, but that's besides the point. Um, I knew that I liked to travel. I went on, we would, me and my mom, we would go on vacations every year, like, you know, things like that, Florida, whatever. I did a month study abroad in Southeast Asia. We went to Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand, Mm. and I fell in love. I fell in love with travel. I fell in love with different cultures, with learning about different areas. It is such a passion of mine, and it is something that I have let slide in my life. Obviously, COVID, not a whole lot of travel happening right now. Yeah, I can't wait to have Watson experience the things that I experienced. Mm. It literally changed my life, and I cannot even put it into words. I feel like I talk about it all the time, but it is so surreal to picture the way that other people live their lives and how much they knew about us and our culture and Mm. um, our even political system. It's so crazy of how little I knew about theirs. And it's so sad. I cannot wait to get back to traveling. It has been something that over like the last year or so, like once they finally took away <laughs> your right to, yes. to travel, yes. it was like, oh my gosh, I need, I need to do this. And I have put that passion on a back burner for a multitude of reasons. But, you know, you come up with excuses of, mm-hmm. oh, I don't have the money or, oh, I, you know, at the time, you know, when it was just me and Brandon and we had a dog Buddha, like, Oh, we need somebody to watch Buddha for us. And then you just let all of these excuses kind of pile up on top of each other. And I just can't wait to get back to it and hopefully have my family experience the things that I've experienced. And I just, Oh gosh, I just miss it so much. I had culture shock when I came back home, like seeing (laughs) cars on the street was like a very weird thing. Seeing buildings, watching TV, being able to access the internet, like all of these things were really weird. We were not every time, but we were staying in hostels and we were staying in, you know, literally like sleeping in tents and sleeping in canopies and having these bug (laughs) tents around us and stuff. Like 
I mean, we stayed at um, uh, a hotel, a floating hotel on the River Kwai, and it literally was a floating hotel. There was no running water. There was no electricity. You were you had to walk across this bridge one person at a time. There was no handrail, nothing. It was like, don't fall in the water. There's parasites. Like, please try to stay on this tiny bridge that was like <laughs> this big. It's crazy, but I wouldn't take it back for anything. And I just miss traveling. So a couple mm-hmm. things there. You are the reason why I told Owen that he could go on yes. that trip. Mm-hmm. That since has been postponed and who knows mm-hmm. when it'll get rescheduled. But it was you, your story and your passion behind knowing mm-hmm. how much that trip meant to you. Yes. Gave me the confidence to say, yes, you could go on that three almost four week trip Mm -hmm. without me because I was not going to rob him of that experience you described because of my need to have my son by me. So I appreciate you having that experience and sharing that story with me because it really changed my vision on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It took my mom pushing me to go. I was terrified to go. I mean, I had, we, I'd been to Mexico once that, you know, I'd been to Canada once, like those were my experiences outside of the United States. And it took very long conversation with my mom being like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You need to go. You need to do this. And they really are a once in a lifetime opportunity. Cause like you said, you haven't done it again. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. I've been to other countries and stuff like that, but nothing, nothing like that. And you I said will go that, back. You said that you met Brandon on that trip? I did not. I met okay. um, my friend, Nick Kapal, who we've had Benny Kapal yeah. on here. Mm-hmm. I met Nick through that trip. We became friends. He was like one of like two guys <laughs> went on the trip. And I like me and Nick, I just love him so much. And he was friends with Brandon and that's how we met. Let me ask you if you could describe that trip in a feeling, because I obviously we can hear how much it impacted your mm-hmm. life. Is it, what was it, it affected your heart, your brain? Like, I know you're a very like logical, sensical person, but I almost feel like a part of your soul was touched by 100%. I would say sometimes it doesn't affect you that way. Yes. It touched my heart. It touched my brain. It touched my gut. Like it touched everything. We went Mm -hmm. to, um, the killing fields in Cambodia. Quick side story. It's a very not great story, but I'm going to tell it anyways, because this moment was when I was like, oh my God, like this, this was the exact moment that changed everything for me. This was our second country. We went to Vietnam first. Vietnam was fantastic. Probably my favorite place in the entire world that I've been to. Cambodia was very sad. So we went to the killing fields and this is where they had their mass genocide. And they had, um, the room after room where they would keep these kids, basically, they were like stolen kids and they were just getting, you know, getting ready to be executed. And they would take, it was awful. They took pictures of these kids and they would have, and there was, you know, men, women, children, there was everything, but they would take pictures of these people with numbers in front of them. And they would take pictures of them and put them, plaster them up against the wall. And these kids had like these giant smiles on their faces. I'm going to cry probably because they had never had their picture taken before. I'm not really sure. They were probably oh my just God. excited. And um, one of these rooms, it was in the very back room. There was like a cell basically. And um, mm. all of like, there was a bunch of spray painting and stuff like that. Like graffiti was done. 
And there was a spray painting picture of this little boy who was so excited holding his number. Like somebody did a fantastic job spray painting, Mm. like a perfect replica on this thing, on this wall. And it said one life just live. And that's what I have tattooed on my foot because of that trip. But like right there, I mean, I was in tears. Just how could you not be? Oh my God. It was utterly heartbreaking, but it was the moment that changed everything for me. Mm. Mm. Yep. That's, I just, (sighs) you know, when you, we said like, you know, obviously our kids are, are, our most important jobs, right. In this world. And to think of anyone not honoring a child, just, I can't fathom it. Mm -hmm. And it just mm, hurts my heart. (laughs) Me too. Bridget, make us laugh. What is your number two? (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Cause I'm (laughs) teary-eyed. Well, I'm not going to make you laugh. Um, Oh, oh. (laughs) okay. (laughs) Noted. (laughs) No. So when I was, before I was a mom, um, I remember watch. Well, of course I remember. Um, My grandma was sick. She had cancer and um, moved in with my dad. And I watched my dad uh, take care of her, you know, whatever. Uh, it's just what you do when you have, you know, mm-hmm. you're an ailing mother. I hope my children are listening to me in the next room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, watching my grandma, she um, broke her leg. She was in her 80s. She had cancer, um, broke her leg. And we took her to the hospital and they said, listen, she's 86 years old. We could do this surgery, but I I don't know that it makes sense. And so they had that conversation with my grandma and she chose not to do the surgery. Um, And I will never forget. She said, Bridget, I'm never going to dance again. (laughs) And like, was kind of just making it like light and airy for all of us. And I can remember they immediately put her in hospice. Mm. Um, knowing that she wasn't going to come out of the hospital at that point. Um, but I can remember her making that decision and then watching her die with such dignity Mm. and Mm. such grace. And she was not afraid. Um, at least not outwardly, maybe inwardly if she was, but, um, she taught me such a lesson about death and dying and going out your own way. And, um, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And I'm just so grateful for that because death is scary, right? Like, yes, it's not something that I, even as a Christian (laughs) look forward to, or, um, I'm comfortable with. It's scary to think about that. And I, every time I think about my own death, I just get terrified. Like, what is it going to be like? And, um, you know, how is it going to happen? And, you know, there's just all these questions that we don't know the answers to. Um, But I, I, it was just amazing to me. And I remember talking to my other grandma at the time about how um, that was my dad's mom. Uh, you know, she was in the hospital and she wasn't going to come out and hospice was there. And my grandma, my, my mom's mom said, 
I can't imagine laying in the hospital knowing I'm going to die. Like that would be awful. And that really bothered me for a second. And then, but I, I know she didn't mean it for sure in a way that would be bothersome. I, I think she was probably thinking of her own mortality. She was mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but man, her name was Marilyn, grandma Marilyn. Um, she was always somebody who was anxious. I think I, my dad was a very anxious and depressive person. And I think I've got a lot of their traits for better or for worse. Um, but to watch someone who I knew struggled with anxiety and struggled with feeling alone and feeling sad, go through the process of death, just so gracefully over those few days, it was such a gift. And, um, I'm just so thankful for it. And I know more people, like you said, to you, death is scary, right? And I think a lot of people feel that way. It's not necessarily scary for me. Uh, but there are some people who I would say more people are afraid of death than not. And yes. so for her to be able to on her deathbed, basically give you that gift of peace mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. message, that's what a true elder is supposed to do. Yeah. And I, I don't think elders are what elders used to be. And I wish people, because I think aging is so looked at as a bad thing where it's really not, it's just a part of life. And so I feel like if more people would embrace the aging and like talk about the death in those new seasons, I think more people could get comfortable with it and just be able to move on with a little bit more peace. So for her to share those words with you and hear you say that how important they were, I love that so much. Yeah. And I think we, we forget as a society that it's a privilege to get old, right? Yes. Yes. And she was 86 when she died. She was not young. And I can remember her thinking, her saying, um, I wonder if there'll be a Hallmark store in heaven. Because a she Hallmark loved, store in heaven? Hallmark. That's this woman. cute. That's adorable. It was so cute. Um, but yeah, wow. just, it was, it was amazing. And it was the first big loss in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was older. I mean, I was in my late, late-ish 20s when she died. And I can remember thinking like so many people have already lost a grandparent. I'm so lucky mm-hmm. to be in my 20s um, losing someone mm-hmm. for the first time. And I've since, you know, lost my dad. Mm-hmm. I've lost um, my grandpa. I've lost someone who was like a father to me. Um yeah. And each time I feel like I'm able to handle it because of the example she set. So it's beautiful. And I hope that when my time comes, I give that same example to my children and, you know, God willing, my grandchildren and um, it doesn't have to be scary. No, it's a very tragic, but very beautiful story. Yeah. I think something that you said is very important. She kind of chose her own terms. Mm-hmm. which that's, mm. that's important. Have you guys ever seen secondhand lions or secondhand? No. Lions? Oh my I've gosh. Heard of it. I've heard of this it. movie. It is the cutest movie. But it's one of those feel good movies though. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. But we don't do those here. Yeah. It is a very good film. Good movie. And it's always referenced. They went out with their boots on and that that's mm-hmm. what I like always think about is like 
they went out on their own terms. And that to me is important because when you can go out on your own terms, because only that person can decide what those terms are and what it looks like. So what a good one. So sad story, sad story. So let's make it a little light. Okay, good. (laughs) I like how Amanda's are lighthearted. Yeah. (laughs) Such is our personalities, you know? Yeah, I'm like depressive. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to cry anymore this episode. So let's talk about work. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So I would say, of course, there is a lot of other pivotal things in my childhood and stuff. But I would say the next like season for me was really when I could start working like a real job. Mm. And I'll never forget. I was, gosh, when I went in there, I was probably 14 and it was Villa Party Store in Monroe. And yeah. And Joanne, the Cusimanos, love them. They have such a big spot in my heart. They're such an amazing family. I went in there. I was like, are you guys hiring? And I was too young because legally you had to be 15 basically to work. Mm -hmm. And she told me that. And so she said, come back and see me when you're 15. So the day I turned 15, I went in there and I got myself a job. And I tell you what, that was in the summer because I turned 15 in July. Mm. They made the best subs in town. And I was the sub girl. And I tell you, like, I am a hard worker, but Joanne is like a hard worker. The whole Kuzumano family are hard workers. So it only enhanced my hard working. (laughs) So it was so fun to be part of that. And so I worked there a solid year before I was 16 and legal to work in other areas, like other companies. And Mm -hmm. that's when I went to the hardware store at 16. And that absolutely started the path to that career of hardware pre Owen, but it was, that was a monumental time that she took that risk on that 15 year old. And that was when I got the taste of money (laughs) and taxes, right? Do you remember your first paycheck as like an official working person? Oh yes. But you know what? Listen, like $97 or whatever the case may be. I can't even remember. It was so sweet and so golden. I didn't care if it was a quarter. It was mine and I earned it and it felt so good. And you know what I love the most is that's when I became super independent. I started saving money for my car. I was buying my own school clothes. And so I kind of was able to take a financial burden off of my parents. Wow. Because of that job. And it was something I was so proud to do. Not that they expected it, but I loved being able to contribute like that and just kind of take care of my own stuff. And it felt so good. So 15-year-old Amanda spinning those subs. Woo. I can still make a killer sub. Till this day, I still get called, hey, sub girl. (laughs) I want you to make me a sub. When I'm in a store, people remember me from when I was 15 at Villa Party Store. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So much fun. So Danielle, what's your second? Please don't make us cry again. I won't, but it is not a happy story. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Tragedy defines us. It does. It's true. It is very true. Oftentimes tragedy makes people even better people than people who get through tragedy. So I, it it is powerful. Tragedy puts things into perspective too. Yep. You can be stressed out to the max because of X, Y, and Z, and then something happens and Mm. you look at X, Y, and Z and you're like, not important. 
literally doesn't matter if that gets done or not. Oh, ain't yeah. that, well, it's, just you're telling the last story, it really go uh, th- thinking of when children were massacred, mm-hmm. basically, you know, you go, wow, that, that vertigo I just felt on Friday. Hmm. I can, I should get past it. Well, I mean, we all are going through our own things but, and, you know, it takes the poor me out of the situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's good when these stories are shared. So Agreed. you're right, Danielle. Agreed. So um, I'm going to cheat a little bit. This is kind of two and two and a half for me because they go hand in hand. So my dad died in 2015 and it was a very big surprise. He died two weeks before his 50th birthday. So he was very young. It was just absolutely the worst day on the planet for me, like just absolutely horrific. Um, And I would say my two and a half for that is when I was able to officially talk about it. Mm. I have no specific date for that. I can't remember if it was a year later or a year and a half later. I have no idea. But and I don't even know. I know that we've talked about the fact that my dad has died. I don't know if we've talked about how or why he died. I don't think um, so. But my dad had a very big um, addictive personality. And my dad died from a heroin overdose. And it took me a very long time to be able to say those words out loud. It was a very... <sighs> shameful and quiet thing for him. And so after he died, I took that burden on as well. And I wanted to keep his, you know, secret with me. Um, And I realized that that's not helping anybody. And it was very hard at his funeral and all his friends were asking. And I, you know, barely knew any of his friends and stuff. And everybody was asking me, what happened? What happened? And at the time we didn't have the, the report back yet. But we, I knew, I knew what happened. Mm-hmm. There was evidence. We don't need to go into it all. Um, but it was a very um, tragic thing for me to experience, but then also very empowering in a way to be able to come forward and talk about it. It's still hard. It will probably always be hard. But knowing that I was sharing his story and I was helping to sponsor a 5k, which hopefully will come back. Rethink addiction. If anybody is in the Southeast Michigan area, hopefully that will be happening this year. I don't know. Um, I remember we went that one year and we had shirts and everything. Oh my gosh. I was way too emotional about that guys. Mm, My work family, they get me, they get me, they get me. And they, uh, I didn't know anything about this. They showed up with shirts on and they said in memory and they had my dad's name on it. Like it was, whew, it was a, it was a very, very important thing, but I have lost a lot of family members to addiction on my dad's side. Um, my dad was just the icing on the cake for me. Like it was just utterly horrific, but anyways, I'm able to talk about it and, be okay with it. There's, you know, I, (laughs) I clearly have a bit of a wall up Mm -hmm. about it. And I know that that's something that I need to work on. Um, I don't, I definitely miss my dad so much. I miss him every day. I think about him every day, but I don't cry about it a whole lot anymore. Mm -hmm. Got that, got that wall up going, but I am able to talk about it. And, um, you know, I hope that by sharing his story that it helps some people. Well, and I was going to say, Amanda and I obviously knew the story behind his mm-hmm. death and anyone that is close to you knows mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just so proud of you for sharing it mm-hmm. here 
because you have no idea who you may have just impacted with saying those words out loud. Um, Addiction, it has such a uh, terrible, terrible stigma. Yes. 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 And so when we lose people to addiction, I lost a cousin to addiction. It's, it's like embarrassing. You don't want to tell people. Yes. 100%. They were embarrassed about it. So you have to be embarrassed about it. They didn't talk about it. So you can't talk about it. It becomes like a whole cycle and it sucks. And you don't want to, you don't want to uh, put a shadow over people's memories of that person either. You know, you, you just, you think, well, if I don't tell people the reason for his death, then people will still respect him and love Mm -hmm. him. And sometimes if you, our minds are so play such tricks on us and you think, Mm -hmm. well, if people really knew why Mm -hmm. there would be some sort of judgment on him and Mm -hmm. you don't want that. Um, but there shouldn't be because I mean, it's an epidemic. Yes. Um, the heroin addiction and addiction of all kinds. So I'm just so proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was, um, Uh, like I said, it was a very hard thing for me to eventually come to terms with and be able to talk about. But I realized that, you know, my dad didn't fit the mold of being, you know, I mean, he was very functioning. He, he held down a very well, high paying job at Ford. I mean, he worked full time. Very few people knew that he had any sort of issue going on, let alone this type of issue he was a drinker and things like that as well. So this was not, (laughs) this was not his only demon. Um, but it was by far the biggest and, you know, addiction does not discriminate. It doesn't say you have to be under a certain age or you have to be over a certain age or you can't be a parent. It literally doesn't matter. And it sneaks up on you fast Mm -hmm. and that's all it takes. I'll throw a half a 0.5 in for my moments as well, because it bounces off of the addiction because you're right. Addiction does not discriminate. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's a personality trait. I really, every bone in my body says that to me, um, the science proof behind it. I don't know if it exists, but it Mm -hmm. just seems right. If other things are inherited, why would that not be? And I know I've shared with you guys, but at like the age of eight, I knew not to smoke or drink because I knew, knew. Same. I would love it. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately, not a lot of people at eight years old can come to that conclusion. So true. But so I think the addiction thing is so important to talk about. And it's not that everyone, no one's above it. No one's above it. Nope. No. I didn't do it because I knew I would love it. I'd probably yeah. love it all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I come from people who were addicts as well. Um, my grandpa was an alcoholic for years. My dad was an alcoholic before he had children. I mean, I didn't know him as an alcoholic. He had managed to like straighten himself out as far as that went. Um, but I, I'm the same way. I'm such, I have such an addictive personality, Mm. food, shopping, whatever it is. I, I was a hardcore smoker for years and years and years. I still and I can't still, believe that. I can't either. It no. just amazes me. Yeah. And I still, to this day, if somebody handed me one, now after having COVID and feeling that in my life, yeah. yeah. um, but if someone handed me one, you know, like a month ago, 
Absolutely. I love it. So question, have you shared that with the boys? Yeah, they know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think a good thing because I I think think so too. The tale of don't start because if you start the stop, it's the stop. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. It's not the start. It's stop. And so many people can't get to the point where they can stop. And that's why it's called recovery because it's an ongoing effort to stay clean Mm -hmm. of whatever substance it is. This is kind of a side tangent, but this is something that always bothered me. So you see those, well, we don't have cable anymore cable TV. We just have like Netflix and stuff. So we don't really see commercials anymore, but there was a commercial a couple years ago that I can remember for a recovery center. And I can remember the guy coming on. He was the owner of this place. And he was like, I used to be an addict. Now I'm not, you should come here and blah, blah, blah. And it frustrated me to no end knowing everything that my father went through. He had been through AA. He had been through NA. He had been through rehabs before this. And to know that I know this, that once you are an addict, you are always an addict. Always. You can be in recovery. You cannot have used for 25, 50 years. It doesn't matter. You were still always an addict. And that frustrated me to no end to hear somebody who is in a power, uh, you know, position at a facility saying, I'm no longer an addict. You can be too. Like, Mm. it just drives me nuts. I just thought of that. But that, oh, And I'm sure you're just one of many who had those same thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm. Yep. Well, that was, so how do we, how do we move forward on a happier note? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I know. These were all pivotal times for us, things that changed our path for the good, even if it was through the bad. Mm-hmm. And we're proud of those yes. things. And I'm sure sometimes we wish we wouldn't have had to go through them. 100%. But life hands us things that are unfair every single day. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would I not think- be the person I am without those things happening. Would not yeah. be. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And we don't, there's not a lot that you can learn from good stuff, right? Because right. there's, there's no struggle in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when you have to come through on the other side of the bad that you, mm-hmm. that there's a lesson that you've learned, hopefully. That's yeah. learned. Yes. Sometimes it takes years to do it, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's important to know. Sometimes you can't see the good in a bad in, in that now. Right. Yes. It can For take sure. some seasons of time, you know, to get you in the mind frame and after the hurt and the grieving to finally see it as this caused me now to see life differently and become a better person. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't be half of the wife that I am or half of the mom that I am had these things not happened. Sure. You know, I mean, there's, I don't know, there's only so much, I think Bridget, you just said it. I think there's only so much that the good things can really teach you. And lesson or Amanda negotiating your way out of kindergarten. I mean, you can definitely figure out things about your personality early on. That's for sure. That taught me a lot. (laughs) Even though it wasn't teaching me in education, I was getting a lot of street smarts. (laughs) So wild. So So Amanda, sorry guys. That's just (laughs) who I am. Hmm. Well, hopefully if nothing else... People can look back on some of the things that have gone on in their lives that 
um, you know, there's an underlying lesson because of, and they can see how their lives have changed because of it. Yes. Because you can't always see that right away. No. And I think I have a B for our, our wrap this up. And I think it should be, be open about those stories because I think it's really important that especially as we're aging, we're aging mature women, that we share these stories with our children and the younger generations so they maybe can learn from our lessons a little bit so they have an easier path. Or if they go down the same path that maybe we did, and we're talking about overall life here, that they know that they can still come out okay. Yes. So be open with those stories. Good and the bad. Love it. I love it. I love it. <sighs> this was an emotional one. No, we, I didn't we think it was going to be so emotional. I didn't think so either. I thought I would do okay. I'm going to have like mascara and stuff. But that's, you know, <laughs> that's okay. Good day to not, you know, I usually don't put mascara on my lower lash line. I usually just skip it because I'm lazy. And today I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. And now I'm like, great. <laughs> Your skin still <laughs> looks flawless. <laughs> And I'm sure who's your friend that always says that about Danielle? Michelle. Yeah, I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll expect a text to Bridget confirming that your makeup looked fabulous on episode 26. It doesn't <laughs> come naturally. Okay. <laughs> doesn't come naturally. Oh, uh, I love it. <sighs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for tuning in this week, for joining us. We are so thankful to be yes. able to have a, a, an outlet for these stories mm-hmm. and for people who are interested in hearing them. And we're interested in hearing yours too. Yes. So share with us if, if you're willing, if you're, if you're ready to, mm-hmm. um, if there's a moment in, in time in your life that you can pinpoint that changed your life and, and molded you into the person that you are today, we would be interested to, to hear those stories. I would love, love, love that. Um, leave us a comment if you are watching us on Facebook or on Instagram or YouTube, shameless plug there, head over to our Facebook VIP group, share your stories over there to a more like curated group, I guess. Um, smaller, smaller, yes. private, yeah, intimate. There we go. Intimate. Ooh, I like it. And you can always send us a private message too. If you wanted to share a story that was a little bit more private that you didn't want public, but you absolutely wanted to be heard anyway, we would love it. Yeah. Um, mm, good stuff. You guys, this was a good episode. It was it hard. Was. But it was good. It was All right. well, until next week. We will see you later. Bye. Bye. Guys. Bye.